you know, what is it that they really want to know? Do they want a hero story, something that's worthy of a TV drama? Do they want gore? Do they want something funny, like you said, something um, salacious? Are they asking because they're curious? Are they asking because they want to live vicariously? What's going on in their head? Welcome to Medic Mindset. I'm Ginger Locke. One listener at a time, one episode after another, Medic Mindset is turning into a tribe of like-minded medics. Some medics listen and discover that the podcast is not for them. But the listeners who stay, the ones who keep coming back, are the ones like you who are willing to sit close by during hard conversations and not turn away. I think of you guys as people who are willing to courageously walk through bands of wind and rain of a hurricane to get to the eye of the storm because you know that there's clarity there. And the star in this episode epitomizes that. Her name is Nisa Hathaway, and she is an emergency nurse, a podcaster, and a dear friend. What you're about to hear is the first time I've ever let another podcaster take over Medic Mindset. I heard this episode of her podcast, The Q Word, and I had to get it in your ears. In her perfect Southern accent, she describes how encounters with two people invited her to ponder and ruminate and fumble around in the messy business of working in emergency medicine. She willingly sits in a complex topic, feels it deeply, all with the end goal of arriving at that beautiful place where she can decode it for us. Her co-host is her friend Lisa, and if you pay close attention, you can literally hear Lisa listening, completely captivated, as I was. So medics, hang on to your earbuds while this emergency nurse helps us understand something we've all experienced and felt, but perhaps haven't been able to put into words the way she does. Welcome to The Q Word a podcast about the tips, trends, and taboos of emergency nursing, where we pull the hospital curtain back on issues that emergency nurses and their patients often think about but seldom talk about. You found the Q Word Podcast. Hi, Nisa. How are you today? Hey, Lisa. I'm good. So we have an interesting episode this afternoon that uh, kind of organically came out of a couple of conversations you had just recently, right? Yes. This is uh, something that's been rolling around in my head and fascinating me after a couple conversations that I had. It is basically an extended public service announcement for our lay people. Like me. Yes, like you. (laughs) And um, it comes with a caveat, and that is that this episode is not for our listeners who have a delicate constitution, Uh, and it is not for the children of our listeners. Okay. Would not be appropriate. We do put an explicit tag on our podcast, not because, you know, we drop too many F-bombs, but because sometimes we do venture into territory that we don't think kids will want to listen to. So, folks, it's a head up, heads up for you. Um, if you got little ones in the car, you might want to put your earbuds in. Yeah, listen to Radio Disney today. Yeah, don't put your earbuds in while you're driving. Why don't you just listen to it while you're, like, vacuuming or something? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, great. All right, so what's this all about? This started with a conversation that it was actually when we were on a girls weekend with our other best friend, Michelle, or she had this kind of conversation with me about, you know, I worry about you. I worry about some of the things that you see 
And how do you handle some of those things? What is the worst thing that you've ever seen? Yeah, I remember that. You know, it got me thinking and pondering some stuff. And it was about two weeks later that my family and I are used car shopping. And we are actually test driving a used car. My husband and my son are in the front seat and I'm in the back seat with the used car salesman. And he's making small chat and he asks us what we do for a living. And when I tell him, he said, oh, I bet you see some stuff. And I said, yeah, I see some stuff. And he said, well, what's the worst thing you've ever seen? Okay, so it's a popular question. Yeah, so I get the question within, you know, two weeks, two different times, two very different scenarios from two very different people. You know, when I when I kind of started really mulling this over in my head. This isn't, these are just different people. These are people with vastly different relationships to you. That's right. Right, so, you know, on one hand, it was your, one of your closest friends. The other hand, it's a complete and total stranger, but they're both asking you the same question. That's right. Okay. And so I know how I answered those two questions and those two conversations. I wondered how other people do when they are, when they encounter this question, what answers do they have? I wondered if they had sort of a clever, pithy, uh, you know, preformed standard answer that they gave. And I also wondered if it was the same, you know, brief, pithy answer that I give. And so I asked them. I went to about 15 of my dear friends and colleagues who are emergency nurses and emergency medics and posed this question to them. What do you do? What, what's your answer when someone asks you, what's the worst thing you've ever seen? Mm-hmm. And does your answer change based on who is asking that question? Got it. What I thought was really fascinating is as they answered me, there were a number of kind of trends that emerged mm-hmm. in their answers. So two things about that. One is I want to give a shout out to those friends of mine that were willing to answer, you know, this question for me. One, because they are friends and fans of the podcast. And two, because this is a intensely um, personal thing that that we're talking about. And they were willing to go there with me. And so I, you know, just huge shout out to them and appreciate appreciative of their honesty with me. So the second point that I wanted to make is that this is not something that we are taught in nursing school. This is not something that we are warned about in orientation. So the themes that emerged are all things that we have kind of um, fumbled our way through and figured out on our own. So you've been warned about things like HIPAA and keeping privacy and those sorts of things, but not about what the emotional reaction that you as a nurse may have to receiving this question. Is, Is that what it is you're not taught? Yeah, or that people will even ask you this question frequently. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, what, what would be a possible response that you can give? There's a million responses. And so it's interesting to me that many of us have come to the same conclusion, just fumbling around in the blind on our own. Got it. You know, what's interesting, I wasn't asking them, what is the worst thing you've ever seen? I was asking them how they handled the question. Got it. But many of them shared with me anyway. That's clearly a response mechanism that some people are giving you. That they're ready almost immediately to trot out whatever it is, whatever the answer to that question is, without even thinking about it. Like, okay, well, here's the story that I've got. This is my one, take it or leave it. Right. And I think that um, it matters that I am a colleague and a coworker and that I'm coming to them with this, this important question. Mm-hmm. So the, the way that people deal with this is very interesting. One, and this will not surprise you, is that oftentimes people will deflect with humor. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they'll say things like, here's some of the responses that I got. 
so what's the worst thing you've ever seen? Well, my direct deposit. <laughs> Got it. Or how about the staffing grid on a Monday? Um, this falls under gal- almost gallows humor. <laughs> yes, that's why you wouldn't be surprised to hear it. How about the worst thing I've ever seen is an 80-year-old naked? Ooh. Or uh, when the Falcons lost the Super Bowl. Or my personal favorite comes from a nurse, Ashley, who says um, <laughs> the worst thing she's ever seen, pineapples on a pizza. <laughs> <laughs> and if it's in the ER, it's even worse. <laughs> Well, and what I think is funny about that one is another friend of mine, critical care medic named Kelly, said his answer to me was, why is it that you always have to ask me these hard questions? Why can't you just ask me for once if pineapples belong on a pizza? <laughs> so this was a, this was a theme that emerged, apparently a very important question that needs to be answered in the emergency care world. Uh, I'll weigh in and say I eat anything. Pineapple on a pizza is fine to me. Yeah, I kind of like it. It has its place in the world. Yeah. I think we're in the minority. Mm. So um, humor is one of the common ways that people deflect this question. And, and it's in the hopes that the asker will recognize, I'm not going to answer this. Um, and, and here's a funny, uh, a funny thing to throw you off of this scent. Would, would, would a funny... Okay, so I would think that the definition of the word worst means different things for different people. Would you file under the humorous response somebody who gives a story about... Uh, like the kind of thing we did in our poop episode, like a really like a poop story or a puke story or something where no one's life is really in the line and nobody's really hurt, but there's something kind of disgusting or gross about it. Is that humor? Yeah, so that is um, kind of the second theme that emerged okay. is what healthcare providers will do, emergency nurses. And, and I will say that this question is posed to physicians and respiratory therapists and patient care techs and paramedics. And I would venture to guess it's posed to nurses even that work outside of the ER. But I know that this is very common in emergency because of what the public assumes that we see. Right. So what these uh, emergency nurses and care providers will do is they try to sort of dissect the mind of the person who's asking. And so they want to say, um, like you said, something um, salacious. Are they asking because they're curious? Are they asking because they want to live vicariously? What's going on in their head? So for me, um, the used car salesman, I interpret it, you know what, he probably wants gore. So I'm going to give him a good amputation story about that one time that I held a woman's foot and ankle in my hand while she was laying over there on the stretcher. That's what I imagine he wants. Right. So what, what we recognize is that these people... They don't want to know the worst thing that we've ever seen. Mm -hmm. These casual people, the lady at Pilates or the used car salesman, they don't even know what the worst thing is out there. And I think I've, I've mentioned this to you before. When I had my first job as an emergency nurse, I remember one thing from the interview. I sat across the desk from uh, Angel, who was the assistant manager, and she offered me the position. We'd gone through all of the questions and back and forth and so forth. And then she offered me a piece of advice. And she said, you know, in this job, you're going to see the good and you're going to see the bad and you're going to see the ugly. And I remember as a naive, almost complete, you know, almost graduate nurse, thinking, well, I can imagine what the good is, and I can imagine what the bad is, but what is this ugly that she's talking about? And so I also remember getting into the job and seeing the ugly and recognizing this is what Angel was warning me about. This is it right here in this room. And when people are asking you what's the worst thing you've ever seen, you're thinking of the ugly, they're thinking of the bad. The third way that some of our healthcare providers will 
sort of answer this question is they will say something like, you know what, you don't want to know. And just shut it down with that. Or I can't talk about that. Mm -hmm. And when someone says, I can't talk about that, you know, you're letting the asker assume that it's for legal reasons or HIPAA reasons when it might just be, I don't want to talk about that. I can't. Yeah, it's like making a Vietnam vet talk about the, you know, what gave them post-traumatic stress disorder. It's yeah, kind of an insensitive question, actually. Yeah, I can't talk about it. Right. Other people say, you wouldn't believe me if I told you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then some people will blame HIPAA. You know, it's not allowed. I'm not allowed to talk about this, mm-hmm. which is partially true. You're not allowed to give too many of the details. And then kind of the final category of people is uh, the ones who are going to shoot straight with you. And so, you know, you ask them this question and they sort of look you in the eye and drop the smile and say, tell them exactly the worst thing that they've really ever seen. Mm -hmm. And one of my nurse friends says, I tell them this because I want them to know what we deal with day in and day out. And the other version of that when they get real with you is they say, so you want me to relive the worst day in my professional career and another human being's worst day of their life? For your entertainment purposes? No, I'm not going to do that. And that's the way that they get very real with it. Got it. And, and really, you could ask the same emergency nurse this on any given day. And if I've had a really bad day and my patience is shot and someone asks me this, you might get that last answer. Mm. Oh, really? You want me to relive that right now? No, I'm not going to do that. Typically, I say things like, you wouldn't believe me anyhow. That's my go-to answer. Mm-hmm. But you you really could get any of these answers on any given day by the same provider, just depending on what's happening in their life and in their career and the day that they have had. Have you encountered people when you've given that answer that you really want me to relive my worst thing or I'm going to tell you? Have you found people who've been like, no, come on, tell me, really, I want to know. Are, are they persistent or have you or are people normally respectful of your desire to like not go there? So I haven't used that honesty one before. Um, I think if I did, though, I would turn on my heel and disengage at that point. I wouldn't give them the opportunity to, con- you know, if I was if I was in the place where I, I'm not in the mood to talk about this because it has just happened to me, I, I would turn on my heel and be done. Got it. The, uh, the other theme that was really important that emerged is that these emergency nurses uh, and medics, it does make a very important difference as to who is asking the question. Of so... When my, my best friend asks me, I'm worried about you. What, what is the worst thing that you've seen? And how are you dealing with that? Or my spouse asks me that. That's a very different answer and a very different consideration for me than when this random stranger who's been in my life for five minutes asks me. Well, that's because you know that we're trying to gauge your, you know, where are you at the moment? We're, we care deeply about you as a human being. We're not just expecting you to perform for us, um, you know, on demand. Right. And that's uh, coming from a very different place than just... Uh, I want to live vicariously through you, or I want to hear something gory. This is a whole different, uh, a different thing. And so there are, you know, uh, nurses, emergency nurses who need to tell these stories. And so they sometimes will even initiate the conversation and come to you. Sometimes we tell one another and we use that as a, as a way to decompress or as a way to commiserate these terrible days that we've seen and these terrible days that we've had. I, I found a lot of nurses that say, I, I would never tell my mother this, even though she's very important in my life and close to me. I, I'm going to protect my mother. Um, and I'm going to protect the, the public. They don't want to know this ugly that we see. They think they do, but they have no idea. And then I had another uh, nurse tell me that 
you know, they get this question sometimes from children at a career day, like, hey, what's the worst thing you've ever seen? Mm. Certainly, they're not going to answer that one truthfully. They'll give them some PG version of something dramatic and and TV worthy that they've seen. Mm -hmm. Because people ask this many times out of morbid curiosity, because they don't realize what this ugly is that we see, and because they don't realize what they are asking, that we, whatever the answer is that we give, if we don't have something clever and prepared that we can answer right away, we do go through this sort of Rolodex in our head of, of bad cases that we've seen. And so I'm just going to tell you, I'm going to tell you that there were themes that emerged when people told me the stories of the worst cases they had ever seen. And these are the things that we see. The first thing is the worst thing that we see is dead babies, yeah, dead children, dead toddlers. When a child dies from an illness or injury, uh, it's the bad. But when a child dies at the hand of the person who is supposed to love them and protect them the most in the world, it tips over to the ugly. Of course. And that's what we see. We see that sometimes. For me, those are the cases that I never forget. Those are not the cases I'm going to tell you for your entertainment. It would dishonor those children. But I keep them very close because it's my way of remembering and honoring these little people who could not defend or speak for themselves. That becomes then my job. Mm -hmm. Uh, The second worst thing that we see is when we tell a mother that her child has died. There is a scream. It's a certain pitch and a certain duration and a certain volume. And then hands go to the mouth as if to squelch the scream that has already escaped. And eyes clutch shut as if to block out the information that you've just given them or the sight that they are seeing before them if they're at the bedside. And then they crumple. Their legs go out from under them and they deflate. And sometimes they crumple to the ground and sometimes they crumple on the stretcher and sometimes they crumple on you. You know, when we get into healthcare, we get into it to help people mm-hmm. and to fix broken things. And there is nothing that we can do at that moment that is going to unring that bell for her. And so as a, as a nurse, standing there, it is a, the most helpless feeling. And so we can put our hand on her shoulder or hug her or scoop her up or cry with her or provide Kleenex and water and a, and a chair. We can do all of those things, but nothing is going to help in this moment. Uh, but just to, to be there and share it with her. It's one of the worst things that we see. So the moment that that child passes away, your attention then becomes caring for the, the, the parent, the mother, uh, and presumably the father to make sure that they have some comfort in that most crucial moment of their lives. Is that correct? Yeah. So when we have a patient that dies, whether it's a child or an adult, uh, the family now becomes our patient. Got it. Mm-hmm. The third worst thing that we see is we see bodies that come to us contracted and cachexic and ulcerated and trached and pegged, and they are shells of humans. There is no quality of life there. 
there is maybe very little cognition, if any, um, but we are asked regularly to do everything possible to keep this shell of a body alive. And this is a really difficult ethical place to be in. Uh, And this is one of the reasons why I take every opportunity to say, if anyone ever lets me live in that condition, I will come back and haunt you. Don't let me do it. I've got that tattooed on me somewhere. Yes. Uh, So those are, those are some of the ugly. There's a lot more. It's often uh, the, the, the bottom line is things that people do to one another tip something over into the ugly this sounds as if it's there's a a huge emotional component to what you're seeing that elevates something from bad to ugly whether it's uh, someone else's deep grief or some sense of what a wasted body is like a or something that has to do with the deep suffering of your patient. That's right. So it's like an emotional response. That's what makes it ugly. That's right. Okay. And and oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes things that are preventable. You know, we, we can't always keep children from getting cancer. We can't always prevent a motor vehicle collision. Sometimes an accident is just an accident. But so many of these things that fall into the ugly category are 100% preventable. Got it. Never had to happen. I see. So don't ask emergency nurses this question unless you are very, very close to them. Um, don't ask. This is not a fun party conversation. This is not a, a parlor trick. I mean, I think it's a small talk thing, right? You meet somebody, you always ask, oh, what do you do? It's hard to say, oh, I'm an accountant. Be like, oh, what's the coolest math you've ever done? Like, it, it, But with a nurse, there's, it, it seems to be the right thing to do. It's like, oh, wow, that's cool. I want to get to know you a little bit better. Talk to me a little bit about your job. And inevitably, the, ne- the next question is, well, what's the worst thing you saw or you've ever seen? I think it's just small talk. Yeah. And I don't think it comes from, a, I don't think people realize what they're asking. Right. I really don't. Um, and that's why so many thing ha- things happen in the emergency nurse's mind when that question gets asked. Right. First of all, the, those, those, thing, those cases sometimes come to mind immediately. Uh, or we're trying to you know, dissect what is it that you really want to hear um, and what can I give you that will satisfy this, you know, this small talk social scenario. Or, um, you know what, this, this person needs to be taught a lesson not to ask this again. Right. Uh, but there are a lot of things that you can ask me. Um, ask me about a miracle I've seen at work. Those happen all the time too. You can ask me about the most amazing thing I've ever seen at work. You can ask me about the goriest case or the funniest case. I can give you lots of items and orifices that shouldn't be there stories that I'm fine with recounting. So it's interesting you just said the goriest thing, because I think when people are asking the worst question, you know, what's the worst thing you've ever seen? They do mean the goriest, like what's the bloodiest or... uh, So I would feel like that would draw a fine line if... uh, yeah, I, I do too. And I, I will give a good amputation story or a good bone sticking outside the body story. And, and I'm, I'm okay with that. Mm. You are. I am. Yeah. So going back to Michelle's question, when she asked me, you know, I'm worried about you. I worry about the things that you see and how do you handle it? What is the worst thing you've ever seen? You know, 
I asked her later, like, what prompted you to ask me that question? It felt very much out of the blue. Mm-hmm. And when she asked me that, I immediately started scrambling and thinking, what have I said that has made her ask me this? I mean, I'm fine. I'm, I'm, be, I'm dealing fine. What, I haven't had something particularly bad recently. I haven't had something ugly that I've mentioned that she might be onto. What, why is she asking me this? That was my thought process. I immediately kind of bristled, and she noticed that. And she said, I got kind of defensive and scrambly. And I wondered, what is she seeing the chink in my armor? Because I'm fine. Mm. And what she said was, so when I went back and asked her, like, what prompted you? Because it felt very out of, out of left field, you know, out of nowhere. And she said, well, it was a couple social media posts that you made. Yeah, like when you go onto Facebook and make some sort of general comment about a, a type of patient, but, but no one in specific, no HIPAA violations, just uh, going on and kvetching. Yes. Um, and the social media posts, because I went back and looked, they were kind of snarky. And they were snarky about patients, not the ugly, not even the bad, but they were snarky about patients who abuse the system. Uh, People who are coming in with non-emergencies and treating me like a waitress, or people who are making really poor decisions about their health and then expecting us all to pick up the pieces. And she said, you know, snark was unusual for you, and I was wondering if things, if it was wearing on you. So it's really interesting when you're in a place where you have best friends who know you better than you know yourself, because we don't get burned out by the ugly or even the bad, maybe the ugly, yeah, but the bad. We, we go into this profession to care for emergency scenarios. We go into this for those critically ill people who need us to help them on that worst day. What burns us out and what wears us down in our compassion is those ones who show up with a non-emergency that should be at home in bed drinking Gatorades or that should have gone to their primary care provider or who are just looking for attention and are then going to get snippy with me and short with me and treat me poorly, those are the ones that burn us out. And those are the ones that prompted my snarky comments uh, that she asked me about. So it was interesting that she thought it was some of the worst things that I'd ever seen that might be doing this to me when it was actually the -the run-of-the-mill abuse of the system that was making me feel that way. So I remembered when we were talking about this um, that I, too, was worried about a level of frustration that I had been seeing growing in you. Um, And I guess because you are such a compassionate person, I know I worry about you maybe seeing so much that you become desensitized and then that level of compassion that has always been one of your, you know, characteristics would become somehow diluted by the fact that you're seeing things that um, that have now frustrated you. This is a job that you love, but when you start expressing frustration, we worry about you not loving it anymore, and then we worry about what is this? Chi- what else is this chipping away at inside of you? Yeah, and full transparency that happens. Mm-hmm. And you know, I've been doing this job in this um, specialty long enough to know that it goes in peaks and valleys. It's a little bit like a roller coaster where I do feel that frustration and feel like I'm losing my compassion and feeling burned out, and then I ha- something has to happen to where I can regain that and. And for each practitioner, that's different. There's a lot of information out there about how you can do that. And that's definitely something that we should address. But sometimes focusing on those things that we talked about, the miracles that you can see every day at work, if you're looking, 
um, the good catches that you make, the amazing things, those are the things that I cling to to help me regain that, taking care of those patients who really do need me to be there for them. So I'm thinking that the question should be, what's your favorite story from the ER? Yeah, that, I would love to answer that question. And, and, and for some people, it might be, my favorite story is where I saw this really horrible amputation, or my favorite story is where, you know, I was able to save this life, or I think that that allows the nurse to choose whatever type of story they want to tell without feeling pigeonholed to have to say something that is either going to elicit, uh, you know, maybe an unsympathetic response. Like I would hate to be, to tell someone, oh, this is the worst thing I've ever seen. And then have that respondent, like the used car sales and be like, really, that's it? Well, that doesn't sound that bad. Like I, I could see that leading to a negative response from your audience member that would somehow invalidate the fact that this was the worst thing you've ever seen. So maybe your favorite story from the ER is the right way to go. Yeah, that would be a great one. Hmm. That would be a good one. So bonus information for those of you who are friends with emergency nurses. Uh, When you see them post something on Facebook like, please, please, please make sure that your car seats are installed properly. Or everyone go home and hug your babies extra tight tonight. Or put down your freaking cell phone while you are driving. They are giving you a little crack into the day that they have had, a little window. Um, It's likely not something that they can talk about that day. It's likely not something that they can give you a lot of details with because of HIPAA. But when they are reaching out, they are both warning you about some of the dangerous things that are out there that have consequences, but they are also revealing to you that they might need you to check on them. Right. Just, are you, are you okay? So those are some vague booking uh, things that emergency nurses do that kind of tip you off onto the day that they have had. Uh, when emergency nurse says, I went home from my shift tonight, stripped down naked and bathed in bleach, you can bet that they triaged a whole family with scabies or bed bugs or something like that. So <laughs> this is just, um, just some uh, translations for the... <laughs> This, this is a public service announcement for we lay people, definitely. But what coping mechanisms do you have when somebody like a casual acquaintance or a used car salesman asks you this question? I mean, you whatever your response may be, whether you tell them the gross story or whether you choose not to or whether you turn on your heel and you disengage, you're still stuck with an emotional impact at that moment. What do you do to step away from that uh, emotional impact that that question just engendered in you? So a lot of times it ends up at the kids. You know, sometimes my answer when people say, what's the worst thing you've ever seen is I just say the kids or the children. Mm -hmm. And I kind of leave it dot, dot, dot without any details. And then often the follow-up question is, yeah, how do you do that? How, How do you manage that? And my answer is something along the lines of, you know, kids are going to get hurt, kids are going to get sick, and somebody has to take care of them. Why not someone like me? Why not me? Why not someone who can do it with love and compassion? Mm. Um, Children are some of the most resilient people on the planet. And so you kind of have two two schools of thoughts with healthcare providers, those who don't want to take care of kids at all because it's way too tender and way too close to them. And then the other school of thought who say, if anybody is going to survive something bad, it's going to be a kid. And so they cling to that resiliency. And that's where I fall. Uh, The reason I'm a nurse is because of an incident with one of my children. Mm 
-hmm. who bounced back with the most resiliency. And that's a story for another day. Mm -hmm. But I think that's why I feel that way. I see. So what I would like to know or what I would like to say is, you know, if if you're a layperson and you're listening, consider all of these things when you... um, when you approach your emergency nursing friends. Yeah, this is not an appropriate icebreaker. No. If, if, if they're a stranger, it's not a good icebreaker. If you are not a stranger and they're a friend of yours, consider the perspective from which you're asking this question. Is it a place of care? Is it a place of concern for your friend? Um, or are you just looking for a romp and good story that you're going to be able to go tell at a party? If it's the latter, it's probably not an appropriate question. Yeah, and if it's a if they are a dear loved one of yours and they scramble like I did and they're not ready to answer that question in that moment, you have just opened up the door to say I'm available when you're ready. And in the Michelle Lisa story of mine, I came back several weeks later and said, "Okay, I'm ready to talk. I'm ready to tell you. Mm-hmm. I need to tell you mm-hmm. now." Um, but the door was open to let me know y'all were willing to listen to me and y'all were interested to listen to me, and that that, that was important. Mm-hmm. So for nurses who haven't been doing this a long time and maybe haven't bumped into that question many times, I hope that you've got some options here, things that you can say so that you're not caught off guard when this question does come and that you don't have to necessarily revisit all of those things that you've seen unless, unless you want to. And I would like to know what, what's your clever, pithy answer? What's your response when you, when you get this question? Do you have other thoughts or ideas? So I'd love to hear those. Yep, you don't have to tell us what it is that you've seen. You don't have to answer the question. Um, But we're curious how you answer the question when the question is asked to you. And, you know, if you do need a sounding board for someone who knows and someone who cares and you'd like it to be a virtual stranger, we are here to listen for that as well. Absolutely. Folks, this is your public service announcement. We should grab that little, um, what's the, the few notes that they do? With the, the more you know. The more little, you know, the, rainbow. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The little star that, that's, that goes across the screen. Um, if you enjoyed this episode or any of our episodes, as usual, we hope you will check us out on the keywordpodcast.com or send us an email at the keywordpodcast at gmail.com. And please like us on Facebook, uh, Twitter, all that stuff. Thanks for listening, and we will check in with you soon. Hello, Anissa. Hi, Lisa. (laughs) Where's your enthusiasm? Because it's a heavy episode. You're right. It's not like... (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'll start to say, hi, Anissa. (laughs) All right, maybe not quite that heavy. Okay, all right.